It's raw, it's real, it's unkempt. A podcast for founders, investors and entrepreneurs hosted by me, Leanne Kemp, Queensland's Chief Entrepreneur. This week I talked to Scott Tongs and he's the co-founder with his wife of Teach Starter, a Queensland startup that creates brilliant teaching resources, saving educators hours each week preparing for the classroom and engage with kids making classrooms a buzzy place to be. Plus, I'll talk about product market fit and why timing is everything. Leanne Splaining in its finest. Well, welcome, Scott. How great to have you here in the heartland of Brisbane. And thanks for being our guest on Unkempt. There was a little birdie that told me that Teach Starter began as an email to a subscriber database looking for some inspiration and teaching resources. And that was in 2012. And wind forward to today, now you've got 140,000 plus resources, a purpose-driven company committed to environmental sustainability, inclusivity and giving back. And you estimate that you've saved teachers around 40 million hours of preparation work. Wow, I certainly know the pain and the gain that comes from teaching as my brother is a teacher with Kelvin Grove State High. Teachers are expected to wear so many different hats these days. There's simply not enough time in the week for teachers to plan, create, assess, analyze, and actually teach, as well as fostering and maintaining relationships with their students. Tell us a little bit about not just the purpose only, but the impact that Teach Starter is having on teachers, their classrooms, and students. Thanks for having me, Leanne. This is um, yeah, great to talk to you. And um, yeah, it's been a crazy eight years of a lot of hard work, and you know, a lot of credit goes to my wife as well, who's also co-founder. Um, look, I think Teach Starter really serves a a uh, specific purpose and need for teachers, and that is that. They are just run off their feet trying to plan, prepare for class, but then also focus on the important part, which is the teaching. So where our product really fits in perfectly is that we just save them so much time. All those weekends and nights, they can just dive straight into uh, downloading our content and using it in the classroom and the kids love it. So when you started Teach Starter, you're a digital content producer and your wife and co-founder Jill was studying to be a classroom teacher. I'm guessing that would have been a crazy Friday and Saturday night for you both. I'm guessing that you went in head first with a good idea and probably not a lot of sense around what it takes to start a business. Yeah, I think that uh, when we started, you know, there's obviously that level of naivety. You don't really know what you're getting yourself into. I'd always wanted to start a business and just didn't know what that vehicle was going to be. Um, and so I guess when I met Jill, we were only um, dating at the time, but she was she was studying to become a teacher and then um, she got her, her first uh, job as a teacher. And I spent a lot of time just developing some materials for her. You know, she'd write the content and I'd do some of the design work with my design background. And just from that, um, her friends in her classroom were saying, you know, where do you get these materials from? They're great. And so just from that, that gave us that initial idea. And we thought, well, if your friends want this and other teachers want this and there's a need for it, maybe there's something bigger here. And so that's really where we started. And I think fortunately my my girlfriend at the time, Jill, now my wife, um, had the same same sort of work, work ethic and drive and really wanted to see it succeed. So we just really said to each other, look, let's do this for two years, put everything into it, forego those Friday nights, forego those weekends and and give it a chance to succeed. And, and so that's what we did. We'd go to work during the day, come home, 
work on the business, work work late nights, work the weekends, and do do everything from customer support, building the website, writing the content, you know, all the things you have to do at the start. And for us, it was all about can we make this idea a viable product, and can we validate that you know what we've seen with your friends that is actually applicable to more teachers. And it took us twelve months to really develop the content library. And when we launched in uh, January 2013, on the first day. Someone signed up and paid us $29 and whoever that person is, I'll have to look up your name, but thank you very much because that really just proved to us that the previous 12 months was worth it and that we had something that teachers were willing to pay for. That's brilliant. A marriage of hearts and minds and certainly it sounds like a labour of love. The content might be different from country to country, but kids learning in a classroom environment is pretty standard right around the world, I would imagine. True, maybe not. Yeah. Let's talk about scaling. You know, the beauty of Teach Starter is that it is universal, digital and global. Yeah, I think that was one of those things that when we launched the product, we knew it needed to be digital um, and we knew it, knew it needed to be accessible to as many people as possible. And so, you know, in the current environment, in particular, um, with with COVID, it's been um, you know so many teachers, schools they've really had to shift to to finding these digital materials to be able to distribute them at home, at school, wherever that classroom may be, and oftentimes it's in the living room now. And so, I think for us, having that that digital product made it quite um, easy for us to be able to offer our product to more than just Australian teachers, but to other markets. Um, so, I think. Yeah, definitely a huge advantage for us being uh, digitally native and being a digitally native product um, has really helped us grow. Let's talk about the US market. It is big, daunting. It's pretty it exciting. <laughs> I've been there many times myself, of course, and have three operational centers just in the US alone. What's it been like for you in that journey across to the US? It's been a huge challenge. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's been a really big challenge. I think um, for us, we, you know, in making the decision to go to the US, we really looked at our existing user base and where the growth was. And we saw that behind Australia, it was really the US, um, followed by the UK. So those English speaking countries, large population sizes. And we could see that in Australia, we were really reaching a critical mass of users across the country. And that if we wanted to continue growing and continuing to pursue our vision of inspiring every child to build a purposeful and happy life, we really had to think globally. And so for us, US was that that next spot for us. So uh, yeah, we set up an office there about two years ago now, and we've um, slowly grown our team over there. And we're really trying to um, you know establish that product market fit and see that um, I guess that viral and organic growth at the teacher level, uh, which is so important to us. We need teachers talking to teachers and saying this is the product you need, and this is going to help you in the classroom. So you know we've had a lot of challenges there, whether it's um, you know aligning to their curriculum, changing all of the the, the S's to Z's in all of the spelling or changing animals that we you know have in Australia that they don't have over there just to localise and ensure that it feels, um, yeah, curriculum specific and suitable for, you know, US teachers. You've got an incredible library of resources that people can sign up to. Teachers absolutely love you and students, well, they probably don't know that they should really love you, I guess. So what's the next step? Is it more content, more continents? more creativity? Great question. <laughs> I think um, for us, we know that, that content is is really, you know, the, the core foundation of why people have signed up for us. Um, but we do know moving forward, you know, especially with what we've seen over the last nine months, that there's a real need um, for more 
integrated digital solutions that that cover the delivery of content, but also being able to assess children, um, distribute that content to them when they're in their home or on their iPad. Um, and so for us, it's really about looking at the different ways that we can leverage our content um, into different environments and, and in different delivery ways. Um, when we started eight years ago, we were really focused around print. You know, they would download the content and print it out. That still occurs in the classroom, but it's definitely shifting. Um, so for us, it's really looking at, yeah, how is content used and how will it be used moving forward? Um, and what tools can we develop um, with our, our development team in-house to further support and um, and make the lives of teachers easier and really help to support students? Founding an idea, let alone co-founding an idea, is tough, right? There's so many times that you have this vision for the future and then in the activation, there are many different pathways to enable it to become true. I love giving my guests a crystal ball and you can do with it what you like. You can think ahead and tell us what 2030 or 2050 looks like, or you can go back and typically it's to your 15-year-old self, but I'd love to go back to the day one, the day one of the right. co-founding event. Um, it's a husband and wife team. Uh, what would you do differently or what would you give advice to yourselves, yourself and your wife, your co-founders, yes. and what would you do differently back then if you had the opportunity to rethink it? Yeah, that's um, it's something I think I haven't probably thought too, too much about. I mean, for us, I feel like we've made a lot of um, – right decisions along the way to get to where where we are. Um, I think if I looked back and I had to give myself advice, um, it would really be around making sure that when you start a business, when you found something, you do it with someone who you have a lot of respect for, that you share the same um, work ethic and you have the same passion for what you're doing. Because in those early days, you know, especially that those first 12 months, we, we didn't make a cent out of it and that wasn't, you know, the only driving factor, but obviously it's important. And for us, you know, you've got those late nights, you need someone who's going to be there by your side and someone who's going to be saying, look, look, I know today or this week's been hard or we haven't, you know, done what we set out to do. But on those days, you need the other person to be able to pick you up and and keep you driving forward. And I think for me um, and my wife, Jill, we were really able to have that strong partnership, um, both in a obviously a personal sense, but in our business sense. And that's really carried through to today. We, um, we have a lot of respect for each other and our skill set and we bring uh, a different dynamic to the business. You know, she has the education side. I have the tech business background side. So we, um, we're able to really um, share the load and share the responsibility. And look, it's been crucial, crucial to the growth of the business. I couldn't have, honestly couldn't have done it without her. Um, and so I think that's, yeah, pivotal to where we are now and um, really, yeah, was the only way that we could succeed. Well, Scott, thanks for being a guest on Un. Kempt. What I love about Teach Starter's story is that innovation can happen in any industry and let's say in any room in the house. Classroom teaching is probably not somewhere cutting edge innovators may think to look, but what's clear is that there's always a better way. There's a new way, a different way to approach and disrupt how some things have worked for a very long time. And let's hope Teach Starter's resources becomes not only the thing that teachers love the most, but students realise and recognise that it's the magic that makes the difference in learning. And this week, I get to Leanne Splain on a topic that no doubt you've heard bandied around many times before. It's time to get product market fit. Product market fit, you might say. Well, what is that and why does it matter and why are so many sidetracked into thinking it's the only thing that matters? 
Well, Mark Andreessen, who's the co-founder of a really influential Silicon Valley venture capital firm called Andreessen Horwitz, coined the term in 2007 in a blog post, defining it as being in a good market with a product that can satisfy that market. And since then, I think product market fit has been conflated to one of the most important elements. The only thing that matters is getting to a product market fit. I hear it time and time again. But what is it and what does it mean? You know, it means being in a good market with a product that can satisfy that market and the customers are willing to pay for it. If not pay for it, but pay for it and use it. You can always feel when a product market fit isn't happening. The customers aren't quite getting value of the product. The word of mouth isn't spreading. Usage isn't growing that fast. Press reviews are kind of blah. The sales cycle takes way too long and lots of deals just simply never close. And you can always feel product market fit is happening when customers are buying the product just as fast as you can make it, or the usage is growing just as fast as you can add more and more servers. Money from customers is piling up in your company checking account. You're hiring sales and customer support staff as fast as you can. Reporters are calling because they've heard about your hot new thing, and they want you to talk about it time and time again. You start getting Entrepreneur of the Year awards from Harvard, Forbes, or any other of those big-time placements. Investment bankers are stalking outside of your house, and you could eat free for a year at Starbucks. Now, lots of startups fail before product market fit even happens. And my contention, in fact, is that they fail because they never get to a true product market fit. So when your product is being ripped out of your hands by eager customers and you cannot keep up with the demand for more, you have achieved the nirvana, and it's known as that product market fit. Most startups fail because they burn through heaps of cash without first carefully considering or planning for the moment when customers actually want what they're selling. Not only want it, they're willing to buy it. Achieving product market fit is one of the most important goals for all startups, yet it is also one of the least understood concepts. Many early stage entrepreneurs who come to me for advice love to brag about how fast their companies are growing, the number of people they're employing, the capital that they're raising. To the customer-focused entrepreneur, that usually means tons of traffic. And to the enterprise-focused entrepreneur, well, that means a bunch of trials or POCs. I understand why they want to brag. Growth is sexy, sure, and it's easy to understand and everyone relates to excitement. But my response is, so what? When you first start, the only thing that matters is finding a cohort of customers who truly value what you have to offer. Growth alone means next to nothing. Growth without value to the customer is likely to lead to nowhere or worse, to a big fat flame out. I define product market fit as the point in growth of your startup at which time it gets significantly easier to acquire new customers and also, don't forget this, retain existing customers. You know, it's an inflection point at which most things in the business start to feel a bit easier. And focusing too much on product market fit is actually having a detrimental effect on many startups as well. So how do you win this game, I say? Well, here are four things that you can do to figure out the right time and opportunity. 
Firstly, talk to your customers. The first step should always be talk to your customers. Ask them what's working, ask them what's not, and what problem remains to be unsolved. Look for the natural adjacency. If you build cars, even if they're great automobiles, your next product probably is not naturally a spaceship, but never say never, I guess. The same rules applies to an enterprise software company. Your highest probability of success comes from leveraging your past experiences and expertise. So if your next product doesn't align with your current portfolio, ask yourself if you're well positioned to deliver it. And also, let's not forget, build something independent enough to stand on its own two feet. Now, even though a new product can and often does fit into your current portfolio, it should be a separate and unique offering. You need a solution that can stand on its own and everything from product experience to the pricing model and to go to market should be adapted or changed to fit into and support the new product paradigm. Most importantly, the new product should have a clear value proposition that is aligned to the values of your customer. Now we all hear it time and time again, fail fast. And when it comes to launching a new product, you can never be certain if you're going to succeed. And as an entrepreneur, that's a risk you have to be willing to take, especially in the quickly changing and uncertain times like these. As Michael Jordan said, he's one of my superheroes in my mind, to learn to succeed, you must first learn to fail. And in today's world, this sentiment could not be more relevant. Establishing product market fit is perhaps one of the hardest things for a new offering. So focus on the feedback, listen to your customers, and always remember that we learn something in every mistake and failure. Unkempt. It's hosted by me, Leanne Kemp, and produced by the Office of Queensland Chief Entrepreneur and our Mike and mates at the Content Division. Hey, you like what you hear? Well, head over to your podcast platform of choice and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. For more tips, why don't you visit chiefentrepreneur.qld.gov.au. Thanks for listening.